Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Mistress Mia's Dungeon. I'm your hostess, Mistress Mia, and you know, the one, the only, the great, the Quranic Masturbator! <laughs> the dragon! <laughs> the cock-holding temptress! Master John, Lord I'm Bauer. I'm cock-holding temptress. Uh, yes, you are! <laughs> What the fuck? I know. I say um, that to myself all the time. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't yeah, I don't get it. Are you gonna do the intro? Am I? You look at the, the gorgeous hair, Miss Misty Rain, she's here. Do she's it. She's here. You ready? <laughs> yes. On the on the, ca- on the count of three. One. Misty Rain's here. Yes, but you're gonna do the yeah. yeah. Ready? Because I'm excited. One, two, three. You're supposed to get a and, and John just tinkled in his panties for yeah, that. Okay. You happy now? Oh, I'm always happy. I'm a cock-holding temptress. I can't do you things are. like that anymore. You're such a temptress. I have to be, have to be serious now. I didn't say diaper wearing tonight, but you know, what the hell? <laughs> One of your friends brought me some diaper cream. Yes, she did. Yeah, she did. That was funny. for the classic babies we take her off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm classy now. Oh, yeah. We rub their little dickies with the desitin. <laughs> John, do you rub your dickie? Do you rub your chicky? <laughs> jiggy. <laughs> Do you rub your dicky with desitin? <laughs> rub my little dicky <laughs> and call it my pricky. <laughs> it's okay, little John. It's okay, little fella. I'm going to take care of you. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, okay, so tonight. Uh, thank God that was over. Oh, you enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. Wasn't it good for you? Always. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Miss <laughs> Misty Rain. Are we discussing the dimensions of intimacy tonight? We are, Mia. And John. (laughs) We are going to discuss the dimensions of intimacy. And, And actually, a lot of people think that intimacy is about sex. And that is only one dimension of intimacy. There are 11 dimensions of intimacy. Well, I'm glad we're talking about this because we've discussed it before, but I didn't know there were 11. I just knew that intimacy meant closeness or... Honesty, being vulnerable, it didn't just mean sex, but wow, 11. Yeah, and so we'll go over the dimensions of intimacy, and then I want to hand it to the two of y'all to talk about, is that something that is important in a DS relationship? Um, Is it something that uh, you need, or is it something that you can do without because these are dimensions of intimacy that are needed for a healthy marriage so will they be needed for a healthy ds relationship wonderful all right well hit it up let's do it let's get started so let's start with communication intimacy the source of all true intimacy so what do you think absolutely yeah we don't need to talk about shit (laughs) Fuck you. You're supposed to know what I want. You're the sub. I'm the... Oh! Oh, we don't play together, horse. That's okay. okay, okay. I know, that didn't fly. We didn't communicate that part, did we? No, we did not. 
<laughs> but communication is always key in any relationship. Yes, especially, it is. especially DS because you're doing yeah. things that in a lot of marriages you're not doing. Absolutely. And, you know, we've talked about this before. I have these lists. I just got one back. <laughs> you need the communication because if you're not honest with what you want out of the relationship, you're never going to get it. Very true. And, you know, when I give these lists out, the first thing I say is the more honest you are, the more fun we're going to have. So I think it's utmost importance. I think you're right. It's it's utmost important in, in, in SWATs number one um, in any healthy relationship, actually, uh, whether it's a married couple, whether it's a friendship, um, you know, if it's with family, family members. Absolutely, with with a DS relationship, if you don't have communication, then you don't have a healthy uh, power exchange. Now, Misty, you've seen a lot of couples. So do you ever feel like is communication always one of those things that, oh, men suck at communication? I mean, do we blame it on a man? Wow. I looked at you and thought about that. I know. I was like, God, John, you suck (laughs) at communication. Everything else. <laughs> it, it is, um, no, it's not always the men. What I have to do with couples when it comes to working with communication issues is help them learn how to rephrase so that they're heard better. So if, if I'm telling you that, um, you know, you want to know if I like hair pulling. And I can say, yeah, I like hair pulling. But the truth of the matter is I, I don't like to have my bangs pulled. So if I don't communicate that and you pull my bangs, I'm going to be pretty pissed off. And and there doesn't need to be anger associated because they didn't hear all of it. You didn't communicate fully. So the better question would be instead of do you like to have your hair pulled, would it be how do you like to have your hair pulled? And then they have the option to say, I don't like to have my hair pulled. Or they have, they can say, they can explain, I like it pulled here, but not here. Is yeah. that the better question or should o- you ask open-ended both questions? questions are the better questions. Exactly. Instead of yes or no, it's how would you like me to deal with hair pulling? Mm-hmm. And we've dealt with that before. We've talked to people. We talked to someone last week um, and we, we told them instead of asking what's missing or what do you need from, ask, what is it that you need out of the relationship from me? What is it that I'm not doing? Instead of saying, what's your problem? You know? Right. It, because what will happen if, if you say, well, what's your problem? What do you think that? They're going to shut down and get angry and it's going to be a horrible conversation. Right, right. Because now they feel attacked. So in communication <laughs> intimacy, we're really working on um helping them to hear it better. But if I'm on the receiving end, I also need to be open to communicating what I'm hearing. So what I'm hearing you say is that you do enjoy having your hair pulled, but you don't want your bangs in the front pulled. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else? Is there any other area that you don't want your hair pulled? John says, I don't have any hair, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) If you find one of my ass crack, please don't pull it. <laughs> I do that to my husband all the time. God, and that's a fetish, too. No, no, not mine. Uh, <laughs> are you sure? That just fucking hurts. 
Yes, <laughs> genital hair pulling. But yeah, but not just questions, but instead of attacking the person, you do this, this, and this. I don't like this, this, and this. Say, hey, what do you need? What What is it that I'm doing to create this situation? And I've said that a lot to a lot of people. What am I doing to make this person feel like they have to act this way? Instead of, why are you acting this way? What am I doing to cause this action? Because a lot of times, people are reacting. Mm-hmm. And they don't even realize that they're causing their partner to do those things. John, you're sounding like a therapist. Does what? he sound inside? Yes, he does. Holy moly. Wow, I know things. Ooh. I know it. What a dog. <laughs> I'm open to communication. And- <laughs> Really wanting to learn. <laughs> Tell me all about you, son. <laughs> Fill out these 50 pages of stuff. <laughs> well, you know, that's one way. The The questions that y'all were going over uh, the other day, the 20 questions by Dr. John Gottman, it is a real way to do that. And, and it doesn't have to be where you're sitting in front of each other and reading the question and then trying to answer it. I like to have my couples separately answer the questions and then come together because then they've had time to think about it. They've had time to be honest without being in front of the person and feeling intimidated or scared that they're going to hurt them. So they have honest answers and then can communicate with each other that way. I find, too, a lot of times when I want to tell somebody something, it's easier to write it down than to do it face-to-face because now I have the opportunity to edit what I said. Right. And I can say in a way, oh, that didn't sound good. That sounds like being a little aggressive. I'm going to reword it so that I get my idea across in a way that feels positive. Because a lot of times in the moment and you get emotions get high, it's hard to do that. You get confrontational. Yeah. Or or I just forget what I'm talking about. I exactly. get so oh, you know flustered that that I cannot have a good argument. Right. I do that too. And you were talking about gaslighting on a podcast recently mm-hmm. that I listened to. And you know, gaslighting will shut down communication in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Right. You start blaming your partner for all your problems. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> Y'all did well with that. Oh, oh wow. yeah. You're so smart, bestie. It's totally. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> well, you know, you're doing a good job of making me sound smart, too. So We should really do a podcast happy. one day. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. okay. All right. So let's talk about the next one. <laughs> Sexual intimacy. Fuck that. That's the one everybody no, knows. nobody wants to have sex. <laughs> It's free, freely giving and receiving sexually. And and when I'm working with couples, the freely giving is is a big part of understanding that when you're giving, you're receiving also. And that it does need to be um, fair. It doesn't need to always be one partner that's giving and one partner receiving because then you're both missing out on the pleasure of doing just the opposite. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about a DS relationship, where do you feel like freely giving and receiving sexually plays in? So that when you're t- t- telling that example, I think the first thing I thought of giving, receiving was oral sex. If one partner is always giving oral sex and the other partner won't, 
that's not a fair dynamic. Right. And to me, in a DS relationship, I only expect to get back what I give. If, if I want to have a great experience, it's my goal to create that energy and that space to create a good experience for the person I'm with. Because if I can give them what they need and what they want, they are more enthusiastic about giving me what I need and what I want. And it's that enthusiasm that gets me off. It's, you know, if somebody just laying there and there's a dead fish, I don't want to be there. But if they're happy because I just made them come 15 times, they're going to do pretty much whatever I want. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna work hard to make me happy too. Well, you know, and I feel like if people were honest with themselves and honest with their spouses or relationships, you know, they wouldn't be coming to see us. Right. You know, right. Because they're taking something, they're taking a part of who they are sexually. Yeah. And they're taking it away from the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Which is sad because you, you lose a real opportunity um, to develop some authenticity in your relationship. It, it, sexual intimacy can increase communication intimacy and vice versa. So these all play on each other. What would you typically tell someone? So we have a cross-dresser, for example. So the cross-dresser, you know, his wife had referred him to see a therapist years ago um, just because she was not approving of him, you know, dressing in a girdle and panties. Right. So, you know, she didn't want to go to couples counseling at all. So if she had the opportunity to go back and actually see a therapist, what would you tell her about her, you know, husband's proclivities? Well, it's it's funny that Look you bring that, that up. Look at that big word you used. And then she said proclivities. Smart. What? <laughs> Maybe I should talk about British accent, you know, while we're doing this. Maybe I'll sound more, you know, educated. We can talk about soggy biscuits again. Salty biscuits, yes. Get my crumpets, John, you little bitch. Please, Misty, educate us. Okay. <laughs> this is fun. So, so what would you so, tell the spouse? Uh, okay, the funny thing is, I've had that exact situation. Oh, shit. I yeah, isn't that. that funny? Yeah, it is. Um, and so that noise is me tapping my foot. That's I keep okay. tapping my foot to make okay. a, a point. That's okay. You make your point all the way you want. So um, <laughs> this, this spouse, her husband uh, did like to cross-dress, and he really got into it. Uh, and like to go to the balls um, during Mardi Gras. Yeah, absolutely. And and he would spend a lot of money getting hair and makeup and nails and um, and she had a real problem with the cross dressing. She tried to manage it for a while. Uh, he tried to not partake in that, but he couldn't. He couldn't give that up. Yeah. And sometimes you're going to have a spouse that is just not okay and we can't make them okay. Sure. And so they did end up getting a divorce. That That is the sad part. And there were some extenuating circumstances, sure. but a lot of it had to do with the fact that she just could not handle the cross-dressing. And she was willing to let him go because that was something that he needed. 
and and the dynamics if they're you know married and he's doing that and she's upset with that then that just makes for a miserable relationship so part of what she did was a gift well they did communicate that she knew about it they did it with each other she just couldn't accept it she couldn't a lot of times it's the communication that gets in the way because you have a cross-dresser that's not telling the spouse and it's still a need and he's like we had a story when we went and picked up the medical equipment you told the lady oh yeah yeah <laughs> you told the ladies like yeah a lot of wives just don't want to dress a man up in a pair of pants and shove their fist up their ass and she's like i'm <laughs> out i'm out i can't do this <laughs> Because they I don't. did listen to that. Yeah. They don't. That's a lot for somebody to take. So a lot of times they don't communicate. So, and you're right. Sometimes people just aren't compatible. But there's people out there that do accept it. Not only do they accept it, they embrace it and want the same thing. They want someone who's doing those things. We had a friend that did a podcast with us and he, he broke up with his wife. They got divorced and he found somebody and that he's happier now than he's ever been. Because he was honest with who he was. He was genuine. Yeah. And, and that makes all the difference in the world. If, if we cannot be authentic with each other, whether it's a, a DS relationship or, uh, you know, your typical marriage, then uh, it's not going to work, you know, and we'll all be miserable because we can't be who we are. Right. And that's just, that's really sad really if you're sad. not able to embrace <laughs> who you are and whatever issues or whatever kink you have. Yeah. Um, that communication comes before you get married though. If you're hiding it before you get married, it's not really your spouse's fault that they didn't know because you didn't tell them. Yeah. And a lot of people do that. Yeah. A lot of people do that. Well, there's still so much shame attached to cross-dressing uh, like it is a deviance mm -hmm. and, and it's not a deviance. It is just um some people it's a need and some people it's a preference. They enjoy it. And it has nothing, you know, this gentleman um, it was not looking for uh, a partner with a man. He was not homosexual. He was straight as straight can be. But he enjoyed dressing up like a woman. Even though he had a mustache and a beard, yeah. <laughs> he, he embraced it, you know, yeah. which, was, which was cool. Cool. That's great. All right. We ready to go to the next one? Absolutely. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Emotional intimacy. Giving permission. Oh, I skipped one, but we'll go to this one. Giving permission to have and express feelings. Hmm. So where I, does that go with a DS relationship? I, I see John cry all the time, but I mean. Because <laughs> you make me cry, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> See, it sounds like that. He says, why, Theo? Why? Why did you kick me in the nuts, you bitch? Stop making me cry. <laughs> okay. Oh, you know, we laugh so hard, my stomach starts hurting. <laughs> so with emotions, you know, there's so many times where, you know, I had this, this one kid come in. I say he's a kid. You know, he's 23, 24 years old, going through pilot school. He's here. He comes for a session. And, you know, he had a tormented childhood. Mm. And, um, you know, he broke down in tears during a session. And he said, I just want to cry. I just want to feel pain. 
And so, you know, I beat the shit out of him. It made him feel good. <laughs> well, <laughs> and he needed a release. And he needed a release. Uh, exactly. You know, as someone who just uh, craves pain, yeah. it is it is about being able to have that release. And it's an endorphin rush. My goodness. Absolutely. So so he has a cathartic release with tears and then an endorphin rush, and he's just cleansed when he yeah. leaves. And he was. You know, he said that he hadn't cried in years. Oh. You know, and in that in itself just makes See, you feel great. See, what a service. It is. Right? What it's a service, service you provided. People don't great. get that. And, no, I was And thrilled. it's so true. I was thrilled. Because it's like, where else could you go and get that? Right. You know? Come to the and dungeon. What a, what a compliment, <laughs> right? What a compliment. Thank Come you. to the dungeon, you'll make you cry. was able to do that. It was a huge compliment. Yeah. It was yeah. a huge compliment, you know. And it, it happened. You know, you take people to subspace, they get into that mind space. We had a girl downstairs, what, a month ago? She was crying and laughing at the same time. Oh, yeah. You know, she was having an experience. Yeah. And there was the only way to get there. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So. I'm so okay if, if I... If I start crying, because that means that it has worked. It has helped me get through all the tension. It's just a huge release. Uh, And everything feels clearer. Yeah. Hmm. Feelings are great. Right. (laughs) And so... (laughs) I got something you Right, that's not giving (laughs) She can have feelings. Just fuck them. I don't care. Is that- oh, God, it's so bad. <laughs> okay. Where's my ball cat? Go ahead, Misty. <laughs> okay. So, uh, also, the permission to express the feelings. So, sure, you can have feelings, but then there are couples that uh, one spouse is not okay with how you express those feelings. Mm. How often do you see the couples come in and the wife's complaining because they see their husband cry and he's not supposed to cry. He's supposed to be a man. Oh my gosh. I I had that. And since no one knows who my sister-in-law is, I'm really happy to say this. Um, My ex sister-in-law, my brother was crying over a situation that, that had to do with a death of somebody really close to him. And my sister-in-law said to me, God, he's being such a pussy. Oh my God. I just wanted to, you know, Punch in the throat. Beat the shit out of her, which is not very clinical and, and therapeutic, but that was just one way to shut him down and shame him for wow. having feelings. I was so hurt for him. Wow. And you know it, And they're getting a divorce. So there we go. Well, hey, yeah, absolutely. So there's probably a lot of compatibility issues in that situation. I mean, absolutely. I mean, if you can emasculate your husband by saying something like that, you know, right. That's pretty shitty. It is pretty shitty. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you shitty. what the deal was <laughs> is she couldn't handle it. That's why mm-hmm. yeah. she was calling him a pussy. It's because she didn't know what to do with his tears. And so, you know, she projected that onto him. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. That's great. It's great. It, it is. is. It's great. You know, because it's information. Yeah, it, it is very, it's it's very informative. informative. I love it. It is. I was fucking with her, not you. You're doing great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. This is great. This is great information. Oh, God, I still wish you I like this one. Well, read it. Intellectual intimacy. Do you like it when people are smart 
I do. Is it important? I do. Yeah, it's totally important, John. It is. No, totally. it is. It's okay. Oh, people nice. aren't really compatible if their IQs are really far off. There's been a lot of studies. Yeah, that's you need true. to have a similar IQ because you have to be able to communicate with each other. Very true. And if one has a very high IQ, they tend to talk down to the other person. And when the other one doesn't have as high of an IQ, it's hard for them to understand. So they feel like I'm always being talked down to because they are, because the other one feels like I have to dumb it down. And then just, they can't get along with There's a disconnect. It's same with our friends. People tend to be drawn to people with a similar IQ just because it's easier to communicate. If you were a, a doctor and you were talking to a bunch of surfers, you wouldn't get along very well because they wouldn't know what the hell you were talking about. So you Unless hang you out were with a other doctor doctors. that was a surfer. Well, yeah, but <laughs> you wouldn't talk to somebody about the surgery you just did and all the technical terms right. because they wouldn't understand. Sure. So having a relationship with somebody that doesn't understand you as a person doesn't really work. And I think it's the same thing with DS. If somebody is bringing a lot of knowledge and a lot of enthusiasm to learn and the other one is not, it's not going to work out very well. You have to really be at the same level. You know, you have people come into the dungeon all the time and they're, sure. you don't know who they are. You're not, but you don't have a relationship with them. No. We're mm-hmm. doing them a service. But when you have a relationship with somebody and you're connecting with them, you really have to be able to connect on some type of level. And, you know, that's interesting that you bring that point to it. Because, you know, in the DS community, you know, we, we come across a lot of people. Right. There's a reason why we're not friends with certain people. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's why, that's why we're best. That's why we're besties. Because our IQ is like exactly. two. <laughs> We are dumb as fuck. Wow. Shut up, business major. I know you. Stop. Stop telling me shit. Don't tell people I'm smart. Well, okay. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so intellectual intimacy, closeness in the world of ideas. And, uh, yeah. Oh, I got so many fucking ideas. I know you do. <laughs> I told you some of them. And, um, and if you have somebody that's smart enough to get it, then you can talk to them about it. You're right. And BDSM a lot of times is more about the headspace than it is what you're doing to the person. You're doing that to the person to get them into the headspace. So if you guys can't connect at that level, you can't really give them the mind fuck that they need if they can't comprehend the mind fuck that you're giving them. Yes. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Mia likes to fuck people's brains. I do. I like to fuck their brains, their assholes, Just little fuck their brains out. Mouths <laughs> with my big dick. <laughs> okay. okay, let's go to the next one. And that is crisis intimacy. Closeness and coping with problems and pain. So, so do you think in a DS relationship that that is important, that that plays in coping with problems and pain? Hmm. I mean, that's what <laughs> we do. We've talked about that, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that's pretty big. I mean, that's very big. That's, that's the reason a lot of people do BDSM. We've Absolutely. talked about coping mechanisms. People cut themselves. Then they move to tattoos so they can feel the pain without the cutting. And, you know... BDSM becomes a healthy outlet for those types of situations. You know, you've got to deal with the underlying problem, but it's a healthier, it's a lot better than cutting. 
So, yeah, a lot of people do come to us in crisis or in emotional situations that they can't handle, they can't deal with. And we've had interviews with people, they go into subspace and it feels like they can just live in the moment for a minute. They can just be here and they can let go of that for a moment. Absolutely. They haven't dealt and with that it is yet. Huge. But it gives them a, a way to escape for a few minutes. But yeah, a lot of times you'll take somebody to subspace and it'll take them to that moment and help them work through that moment in a healthy way. I, I agree. I think so. Um, I think that it helps them get some clarity. Yeah, I really do. I think that that aids in, in clarity and then you can address the problems. And, and in a relationship, in a couple's relationship, it's about... <laughs> being able to work out the problems. Uh, it's about being a team. So a DS relationship is also, it's about being a team. Very much so. Yeah, working through scenes, working through limits. So when we're talking about crisis intimacy, closeness and coping with problems and pain, think about uh, a crisis that may occur. And it's important that you support each other through the crisis. So a lot of times I'll say something like a crisis on your part does not necessitate a crisis on my part. Oh, okay. but if you're in a relationship, it does. Yeah. Cause if you're in crisis, then I need to respond to that. It affects me. It affects our relationship. Cause I've always heard that when people say, Oh, you're playing the blame game. Right. So it's like, Oh, so it's my fault. You know, and I have a tendency to do that in my relationship as well, because, you know, my certain partner just is a terrible communicator, you know, from the way right. he grew up, right. you know, and there's times where he has a crisis and I have to remember to really where I would be more aggressive and boom, 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 boom. You know, he had a recent little crisis situation in his, in his professional work situation that was very unprofessional. And I said, okay, we're going to do this step. And I talked to him very calmly and I didn't talk to him like he was a patient or, right, right, right. <laughs> or a client, for example, but I was just telling him, you know, this is the approach that we should take rather than this. And I, I almost strategized everything right. with him. And I tried to tell him, you know, I've been on that side of things and, um, you know, he was, he listened through everything that I told him, you know, and he was very receptive to it. How he, wonderful. He got it. And it, I mean, yeah, it was, it was a huge, it could have been like one of those things that really could have been detrimental. Right. You Apparently know? you knew how to approach it so that he would hear it <clears throat> Absolutely. And, and not take it as um, defensive, being a defensive or that you're being a, a parent. And, yeah treating him as a child or, yeah, you know, he, he took it as his partner Absolutely. was helping him. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a huge age gap between him and I, which is fine right? because he doesn't act like, you know, someone who's my junior, you know, we never, that's never a factor, but the simple fact of it is we were able to work as a team with it, you know, and that's that awesome. It's fabulous. Yes. I'm, I'm, th I'm proud, honestly, of the relationship I have, but you know, there's a lot of people that come in and, you know, people that we've talked to and dealt with that, you know, come to the dungeon and in this relationship and lifestyle and that kind of thing. And they don't, they don't handle 
things very well. You know, they don't want to talk to their, their significant partner. And, you know, it's like, hmm, sad. Or they want to let their partner know that they're in crisis. Yeah. And, and the partner tiptoe all around them. They don't want you to help them. Yeah. But they want you to know. And then everybody's uncomfortable because that person's in crisis, but not allowing anybody to be there and be of a support. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sad. In DS, we talk a lot about aftercare. Yeah. You know, and we go through these scenes and what you mentioned before in another episode, we're rewiring the event. We're rewiring the crisis that happened in the past so that we can change how we deal with it now. Our minds will take events and it will protect us. If this is happening, we need to do this because this hurt us in the past. If we can change how our mind is wired, then our automatic assumptions and our automatic defenses don't take hold. And they don't control our actions in the present. Right. Absolutely. And, right. And, and that, that's important because putting our mind into automatic fight or flight will ruin something that's not harmful to us. It's the fear and it's our mind taking over that we don't even realize what's happening. And I say all the time, I do things that I don't know why I'm doing that. And it's true. It's because our subconscious mind takes over and now we're doing things that we don't really have a lot of control over because we're trying to protect ourselves. Right. Yeah. You're not thinking about it first. It's just occurring. Right. So if we can rewire it, we can rewire the trauma and the crisis, then we can work through it and work past it. And, And the aftercare is essential because the aftercare basically is the support. It's the intimacy. Mm-hmm. It's acknowledging that there's pain, that there was a problem. Um, it's a certain level of comfort that they get as well because people yeah. can can understand. I think sometimes plight. when we say aftercare and what some of the <clears throat> other community considers aftercare are yeah. not the same thing. No, because I think everybody requires a different type of aftercare. Yeah. Exactly. That's very Emotional good. support. Thank you. Not Oh, you're a good girl and give them a pat on the head and a bottle of water and a yeah. blanket. Yeah, maybe that's what they need at the moment. Yeah. But real aftercare is having emotional support and letting them know you, you're, you're safe. You're safe. Yeah. I still love you. I've got you. Everything that just happened was a scene. We're coming back to reality now. Yeah. It, yeah. So. That's a great, great point to stop at. I think so. Yeah. I think so, y'all been wonderful uh, us you're fucking fabulous well thank Hello. you jeez we're all fucking you're the, fabulous you're the expert that's why right. we got you here that's why they pay me the big bucks so, <laughs> so john in closing wrap it up and then we're going to start on episode two all for right. next week well until next time make all your aftercare cuddling <laughs> fantasies become realities 